the sounds of a city waking up. The call of the birds, the roar of the traffic, the unmistakable clank of construction. More than 50% of the world's population live in cities. Is that sustainable? Can humans and nature learn to live together better in the future than we have in the past? The Live Well Sustainability podcast is an initiative of Willoughby City Council and will explore some of the problems and solutions that urban living creates for the long-term future of people and the planet. On this episode, we're discussing urban transport and in particular, the growth in popularity of e-bikes. These modern marvels of the transport world use a small electric motor to assist cyclists when they need it most, to tackle the more challenging hills so often encountered on the lower North Shore. In all other ways, they operate just like the more familiar pedal-only powered bicycles that many of us grew up with. As e-bike technology has both improved and gotten cheaper, more and more people are turning to this convenient and enjoyable way to travel for both recreation and commuting. Bike North is an organisation that works with Willoughby City Council to help form policies that make riding bikes safer and more convenient. They also assist Council in delivering community cycling skills courses. We caught up with Bike North coaching coordinator Alison Pryor and advocacy contact Carolyn Yu to chat all things electric bike. And we started with asking why someone might consider using an e-bike over a car. Uh, they give you an option to do active transport, as in a relatively small uh, foot footprint in terms of sustainability. You get around easily by bike, um, but they have some benefits of not getting too out of puff or too sweaty, so they really make a good sustainable transport option. And, and it's not just that it's um, sustainable, it's also so incredibly healthy. Um, and you know what else? It's fun. Carolyn says there are some common misconceptions about e-bikes, chief among them that they require little or no input from the rider. It is different, but it is a bike. I think that's the first thing you start off. You should really always consider an e-bike a bike and ride it like a bike, and that's the great thing. It's not a motorbike, it's not a scooter. Um, you, you use gears, and all these things are important to think of and not think of, I just turn the throttle on and I can go. What, where, where it's different is you've, you've got that, um, that push, you might say, to help you up hills. That's the biggest benefit I find. But the other thing to remember is an e-bike is almost um, always a heavier bike, and that's the one thing you do need to be careful of. Um, so you really need to, when you get first get on your e-bike, you don't want to go be out in traffic, you don't want to be on a busy road, and you don't want a lot of pedestrians around. This is something we're quiet so you can get the feel of it. It's a bit of a different feel. Um, because if it's heavier, you've got to make sure you, you're manoeuvring around the obstacles well. Um, but once you get the hang of that, it's really great. There are two types of e-bike that are legally allowed in Sydney, in, in Australia, um, and both of them uh, have to be sort of low speed. They can't, they're not supposed to go any more than about 25 to 29 k per hour. Um, but under the 200 volts, you can have a throttle on them, but they are less common these days. The, the more popular, um, and I think will inevitably be the only one, is what they call the pedelec. It means the motor doesn't run unless you are pedalling. 
you need to pedal. Otherwise, you know, like some of the older bikes did have a throttle, but I think we're going to see the time when that, that's not allowed. The other thing to mention too is that there are different types of e-bikes, fastest e-bikes, which we do not have in this country, or at least not legally. And, and th- these bikes um, are used in a number of European countries. And those bikes, unlike the, sh- the slow speed ones, are usually a registered form of bike. Alison says there are a number of different styles of e-bike on the market and buyers need to give careful thought to their own specific needs before taking the plunge. And so you have to think, what do I want to ride it for? What do I need to be able to do as well as the pedalling? Typically, how far am I going to ride in a day on it? So there are all the sorts of things. If you're going to buy an e-bike as opposed to just borrowing it of a friend, what's actually all happening in the design of e-bikes, there's more and more maybe smaller battery size but lighter bike. So these days, a lot of the big international cycling companies manufacturing companies have all also got e-bikes so you can get a carbon fiber you know whiz bang with a nearly concealed battery in it Um, but you also get the heavier style predominantly a transport um, e-bike so you know people do take it to do their shopping they ride to work Um, so there's a whole range of e-bikes they're charged by uh, you have a a uh, cord charger cord that you plug into a normal power source. Um, some are built into the bike, so you need to take the bike close to a power source and do it that way. Um, some batteries are removable, so you leave the bike where it is, you take the battery. Um, I live up three flights of walkable stairs. I don't want to take my bike, so I bought one that I can remove the battery, leave the bike in the garage and take the battery out to charge it. Um, um, one of the things you're considering if you're going to buy an e-bike is what's called the sort of range or how much power it's going to put out over an hour and then for how long. Um, so, tip, you know, mine, I could do 80 k's on it and then it would need recharging. Some more powerful ones you can get longer than that. Um, so, But that, for me, is four commutes to work. Um, I don't live that close to where I work, so I use it in combination with public transport. Ride half the way and then take the train against the flow of peak hour train travellers um, for the second half. So, Cycling has been part of Carolyn's life for more than two decades, and she says people are often surprised at just how versatile a bike can be. I've been riding a bike for a bit over 20 years and I would say once I started riding a bike, I started um, changing over to using a bike where it was safe and convenient to do. Um, I've been riding an e-bike at work for probably around 10 years and I simply don't like to use the the, um, the company bike. Uh, the the car at all because it's just too painful. Uh, so I've always ridden the e-bike and it's not practical to use an ordinary bike because of the heels. Um, so uh, gradually, I'd say over the years, I, I've tried different ways of using different bikes. Like I've often mixed up um, uh, bikes with trains. I've done a lot of that when I used to work a very long way away from where I lived. I used to take the the bike on the train and then do the last section um, and that worked simply because of the way um, the stations were arranged and I could I knew where I could put the bike safely uh, when it wasn't 
that didn't work. I got a small fold-up bike, and I used to take that on the train. There's lots of things that I have used on over the over the the uh, my working life that mixed up the a bike with the uh, um, with another form of transport. So I've I've my own personal e-bike I bought uh, about three years ago now, um, and I do use it to ride to work. Um, it takes me about an hour, um, but I don't use it every day. Um, I love riding to work on my e-bike, but I don't like riding home. And that's not so much about the fact that it's hillier. It's about the fact that the roads are just so much busier. So otherwise, I'd use it every day. <laughs> so I do ride out for fun uh, or to get a bit of exercise or to go up to the shops um, with a bike. I will just pop up the shop and get a few things and throw them in my pannier and come back again. You know, that's what you would – that is actually the normal process with a bike. You go more frequently – at work, I use it to go out um, and work in a hilly area um, and there's no parking. <laughs> it's really hard. So to drive to a place, it's just awful. Um, so I go out and look for different sites for different reasons and I just hop on the, the bike and, and go down the hill and then come back up again. In terms of carrying things on the bike, uh, typically, you know, you could put a backpack. The next stage is putting panniers, so they're bags on the sides of the bike. Um, so typically you might use that if you're doing your own personal shopping. Um, the next thing is if you're carrying things, including children, one of the options is for a, it's a longer bike that often has a space intentionally set on the bike to carry things. Um, so a lot of the last one kilometre delivery type things in the city will be now done by cargo bikes. So the delivery company will take their van, offload all their parcels, and then a cargo bike will deliver them. Um, and because you're carrying things, and potentially including children, so having an, an e-version of a cargo bike makes complete sense. While some see e-bikes as less than a legitimate form of exercise, both Caroline and Alison insist the opposite is in fact true, because the motorised assistance allows more people to ride more often. People say you're cheating, but in fact it's easier to get a workout. Um, I can get a much, uh, it's much easier to get a cardio workout going up a hill because I can spin fast and I don't get overheated and so I can keep going and that's really good. The other thing really good about e-bikes is that you can turn up to work in normal clothes. You don't have to, because of the motor taking you up, assisting on the hills, you don't, it's not so much a sport type riding um, and you can go to work in normal clothes. You don't have to necessarily get changed and all those sorts of things. So... And you don't have to wear sports clothes because you're riding a bike and then get changed. You can just ride a bike in your normal day clothes. Safety is, of course, paramount. And Alison and Carolyn both agree that while riders need to take responsibility, there's also a role for government and the broader community. Yeah, having good traffic awareness skills. Uh, so, that's, so that's looking and listening, um, seeing how traffic's behaving in certain spaces and then how you might then interact in that. Uh, the second bit um, is knowing the routes. So a lot of the times the cycling routes are not on main roads, they're on secondary local streets and connecting cycle paths. Look, I have to say the councils in the northern parts of Sydney have been relatively active in making uh, both traditional paper maps, but nowadays a lot more online. Um, the trip planner from New South Wales Transport has a cycle option, so... Just why you, when you put in the trip planner, you want to go from, you know, 
X to Z or whatever, um, and you have an option to choose this a cycling mode. It, it will show you a suggested route and how long it would take you to do that. So there are good options for um, route planning. One of the problems, of course, is there's a lot more people riding. So it, it's saying that, you know, it's being successful. Um, but the other thing is is providing better facilities for cyclists. You know, it, it, on busy roads, there really needs to be some sort of separated place. And, and this, is, this shouldn't be about this should be something that everybody wants because it's better for everybody. Um, and the other thing is is the recognition about local roads. Local roads belong to people um, and that's there's been this problem where uh, the car has tended to dominate on all roads and local roads are really should be, it's not just about cycling, it's about pedestrians. Um, they should be safe places for children to actually, uh, particularly very quiet dead-end streets where people, children can play and walk. And then there's also safe places for people to ride. So we just need a bit of, I think, a change of attitude there in terms of, you know, a local road, that that's about people. And for a busy road, we need that infrastructure for separation. So we've piqued your interest. What next? Well, do your research, says Alison. An e-bike is no small investment, and you need to be sure that what you buy is going to do the job that you need it to do. A number of bike shops do have a try. Uh, so um, either try on the day or even try for a week and bring it back. Um, and I would suggest you know doing all your research online, but don't actually hand over your money until you've tried it because you want to make sure that the bike physically fits you well. You sitting on it, holding the handlebars, those sorts of things, uh, trying it around the block. Uh, you're often paying for the engineering as much as the production costs, the design and engineering behind something. Uh, so you could run from $1,500 to $10,000. Yeah. So depending on uh, the brand, but also the type of bike. So there are two types of motor systems. One is the uh, uh, motor in the rear hub of the wheel, and one is a motor based uh, near where you pedal. Um, the latter tends to be a little bit more expensive, but there's a lot more engineering gone into the design. Um, it tends to be a bit more smoother and a few other things. Be aware that several brands will make the similar things that you're looking for, so you will find something that suits you. Uh, so for me, one of the things is because I use my e-bike along with trains quite a lot, um, I have to think, can I carry it up a set of stairs if the lift's out? Um, or I have to ask for assistance. That's okay. So I, as part of earlier and I explained, I um, bought an e-bike where I could remove the battery and charge that separately. The other thing I had to test when I went to the shop is could I lift it? Um, so for those who might put their e-bike on the back of a car bike rack, can they do they can they lift it onto their standard rack or do they need a specific rack? Um, what are they like in hill starting? Um, because some e-bikes have a more their battery design has a stronger push at the beginning than others. Um, so if you're would you need a bike that has assists in you starting off as well as just normally riding up hills. 
that they can It's give. that sensitivity of the pedal assist, I think, is the, is the key difference. Um, some will take a bit of a push, and because the bike is heavy, and if you're on a hill like this, it, 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 it just isn't, won't, you can't get it going. Uh, whereas a, um, an, another bike is very, very sensitive, um, and as soon as you put your foot on there, just that slightest pressure, and you're off, and it doesn't matter about how heavy the bike is. So there's a couple of... Um Ways and that's partly when you're starting to talk about price for bikes. Um, a number of bikes have a sensor in the pedal, so it's recognizing how hard you're pushing on the pedals, and then it's going to give you assistance on the basis of that. Some of them do it on cadence, so how many turns of the pedals are you doing, and then it works out how much assistance to give you. Um, but as I said, the, the research online first, and then you might narrow it down to a couple of bikes you want to try out. Preferably the bike shops wouldn't mind you ringing and say, because if you want to have a more detailed conversation about a bike and test it, sometimes on a Saturday morning when everyone else is taking their bikes, um, if you want the time of the bike shop, just give them a ring and arrange to do that. Um, check that they've got one in for you to test. Um, that might be. Yeah, because even at the lower range of price, it's a significant investment and you've got to, you've got to get it right. Um, get out there. And, and ride it and ride it wherever you can. And the other, another point too is um, work out what your security of that bike is too. Because it's a, an investment, um, it, there is a higher risk of, of theft. And so you, like in my particular case, I have made sure that my little control is something I can take off easily and I can lock the wheel um, so that even if I'm you know, a couple of metres away, nobody's going to be able to move off it with very fast. Something that's often overlooked but is important to consider is what happens to the bike at the end of its life. Alison says that's something to think about at the point of purchase. So that's one, one good thing to ask when you're at the bike store considering purchase. Um, most of the more reputable ones will take the battery back and recycle it through the company that originally made the battery, particularly if you're, you know, five years later you're buying a new battery for it. Um, so you may find some of the lesser end of the market may not do that. So that's a good question to ask. So there's also in terms of that's the battery recycling type mechanism um, because they're often, I, no, I don't know what sorts of batteries, but they're recyclable as in taking the rare metals out and those sorts of things. Um, bikes themselves can be recycled as well and there's several places in Sydney that um, take bikes Secondhand, this is not so much e-bikes, but make sure they're roadworthy and then give them out to local organisations or people who might not other be asked to purchase a bike. So, for commuters, e-bikes can often save time and stress, which is one reason why sales are on the up. Yes, it's much easier. There's lots of places you can cut through, um, which are legal, quite quite legal. Um, where there's good bike routes, um, it's just much faster to get from A to B. For example, to get from Narrenburn to uh, Lane Cove, for example, the fastest way I know is to go and hop on the bike path. Councils have got good engineer, traffic engineers in them and they've all done cycling and pedestrian engineering training, just like car, about designing for cars. Um, it's possible. Um, so in COVID times, we had pop-up cycles being trialled uh, routes for common... Um, so it was uh, using an existing known cycle route, but 
dedicating some particular space um, to separate cars and bikes on those routes. So, um, and we'll see which of those stay in the post-COVID time and which um, uh, get continued as that. Um, um, I, well, I see that e-bike uh, numbers increasing. Actually, just in the last year in the Netherlands, they've gone to over 50% of their bikes sold, and they sell a lot of bikes, uh, e-bikes. So the Europe, I, some of those trends that are happening in Europe I see happening in Australia. But overseas as well, in places like Netherlands, the the uh, the e-bikes really caught on, as as Alison was saying. And one of the reasons for that is um, they're starting to do longer journeys. Um, the area is getting um, bigger; that the journeys they want to, and it's much faster to go and hop on an e-bike than run run ride their normal bikes. So, what's the takeaway? Well, as Carolyn and Alison both say, there's not a lot to dislike about e-bikes. The whole point about cycling it's a really pleasant experience so that's why you want to do it more one of the positive things about cycling is it hits every box you know it's healthy it's environmental it's good for the planet um it's fun um you can avoid a lot of traffic congestion it's all those boxes that you feel and i i would much rather um ride my bike somewhere than use a car and the e-bike does make a lot of journeys much more feasible and it actually sometimes makes you take a little bit of a longer route, which is more pleasurable, rather than the quickest route through the traffic, you know, because you think, well, if I go that way, I can come up that hill. On a... oh, it doesn't matter. In an urban environment where traffic seems to get heavier and parking more difficult and expensive, e-bikes undoubtedly have a role to play in the transport mix of the future. If you'd like to know more about cycling and e-bikes in particular, log on to the Bike North website at bikenorth.org.au. They offer everything from teaching courses for beginners to organised rides catering to every level of cyclist from novice to advanced. Council also run cycling workshops during the year. Log on to willoughby.nsw.gov.au and search cycling. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please make sure to download the other episodes in the Live Well Sustainability series. We've covered topics including sustainability in the home, fashion, sustainable food and bush care. You can find links to each of those episodes on the Willoughby City Council website or by searching Live Well Sustainability in your favourite podcast app. The Live Well Sustainability Podcast is part of Willoughby City Council's Live Well in Willoughby Environmental Education Campaign. To find out more about how you can live a more sustainable life, head to the Council's website and search Live Well. <laughs>